Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. That's right, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life. Also, video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Now, uh, we got a new issue coming out course next month maybe a touch delayed for reasons i'll explain shortly but my interview with jason reynolds great conversation with the young adult author that's up on youtube if you want to check it out i'll have it to the magazine as soon as i can uh what a great conversation what a great guy uh that's all at authormagazine.org and well speaking of jason reynolds uh he was a guest speaker at the pacific northwest writers conference. And that's, why do I mention that? Because author to author is funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. These people who have been uh, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Well, and they just, we, they finished up the yearly writing conference this weekend. Yes, indeed. And Jason Reynolds was there and Britt Benny was there virtually through Zoom, but that's good enough, isn't it? Yes, it is. These days it is. Uh, He was there. I was there. Britt Bennett was there. Oh, it was a good busy weekend for yours truly. So I had some conversation, did a live conversation with Britt Bennett after her keynote on Thursday. That was great, wasn't it? Hope you saw it. Uh, if you were there, I also had a conversation with Laura Munson, the wonderful Laura Munson on Saturday afternoon there at the conference. But I was also teaching up there in Alaska, the Alaska Writers Conference, Fearless Writing and Fearless Marketing. That was a lot of fun. Busy. Oh, boys and girls, in the middle of it, my computer crashed. I lost five months of work. Five months? It was a gut punch. Some of it I'll get back. Some of it I won't. Ten chapters of a memoir. My brother told me something interesting, though, and I'm going to get to my guest in just a moment. My dear old brother, I was complaining to him about this, and he's in a writing group down in L.A., and uh, some of those writers there have lost work in such in a similar fashion. And he said, What they found is that when they go back to work on what they've lost, to rewrite what they've lost, they just remember the good part. Huh? How about that? I think he's right. I am looking forward to finding out if that is true. I wonder if this ever happened to our guest, David Haydu. Oh, this is a good one. David is uh, the music critic for The Nation and a professor at Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. But before joining The Nation in January of 2015, he served for more than 10 years as the music critic for The New Republic. His most recent book, it's a good one, boys and girls, Adrian Geffel, is a fictional work of nonfiction, a biography of a non-existent songwriter. It's fascinating. We're going to talk about that. He is currently working on a nonfiction book about artificial creativity, in addition to collaborating with the artist John Carey on a book of graphic nonfiction for Columbia University Press. David uh, also published four books of nonfiction and one collection of essays, Lush Life, biography of Billy Strayhorn, uh, Positively Fourth Street, The Lives and Times of Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, Mimi Baez Farina, and Richard Farina, uh, The Ten Cent Plague, The Great Comic Book Scare and How It Changed America, Heroes and Villains, Essays on Music, Movies, Comics, and Culture, and Love for Sale, Pop Music in America. And he's with us today. David, how you doing? I'm okay. I, I guess our time's just about up now, right? So I want to yeah. say <laughs> well, thanks, Bill, for so having much. me. You're you very so kind much. of you, and, you know, I wish this you all the best. This is the problem with uh, having a long bio, David. 
You've done a lot. <laughs> You've ripped a lot. Um, okay. What? Uh, well, so let's see. So, let, let's go back, David. You got this book out. Okay. Um, okay. What? What? I'm your, with you. Your entree into writing. Did mm-hmm. it? Has it always been hmm. around? Is that something you've always done? Yeah, I guess it's a kind of a curse that I've never, I've never gone through the process of, you know, trying to work out what I wanted to do with my life and make that decision that I see. I have a 17 year old who's about to go to college, and, you know, he's, you know, trying to, you know, imagine his place in the world someday, and I've never, I never did that. Uh, I always wanted to to write and it's because I remember watching uh, Superman when I was a kid on TV and reading uh-huh. Superman comics and Su- Superman's job was uh, was a writer was a journalist he was a reporter <laughs> I for forgot a newspaper that. yeah and so he had a job and I thought well you know that's a job that you know you could have and and if you're like it's good enough for the most powerful you know person in the universe, it, it would do for me. So, I, you know, that was, so that was I it. Up, Seriously, that was, that was it. I lived I lived in a suburban environment, uh, uh-huh. kind of vacuous, you know, right. classic you know, post-war suburban that you know uh, bleak, you know, yeah. suburban landscape. And you know, Superman was urban, uh, and Metropolis yeah. was urban. And I thought, well, this is something you could do in an urban environment. You could be in a city. So I've always done it. Well, I had I made a little newspaper, and uh, when I was a kid, by the age of ten, I had Dave's News. I made uh, right. with the newsprint my 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 mother brought for me. And then uh, while I was still in high school, I was publishing in my local paper, but mostly illustrations because I could also draw. Oh, and right. uh, and it's which has helped me a lot in my writing. Maybe we can come back to that later. Something that I haven't really talked much about over the years, and so it's all I've ever done. Now I will say I've done, as a writer, many kinds of things, uh-huh. uh, and that's that's helped me. It's helped me with a book like this, which has multiple voices. You know, yeah. uh, Adrian Geffel, it, it, it's it, it's a faux oral history. Yeah. So it's uh, the design is interviews with the witnesses of a mysterious person's life, and from the person's early life through the person's the rise of the person's career in New York to the point when the person mysteriously disappears. So I'm interviewing people from all walks of life, from her parents right. who run a, a propane business in rural <laughs> Pennsylvania, right. to her, you know, to her teachers at uh, Juilliard, through the various figures in the kooky avant-garde scene in New York in the 70s and 80s, and having done like all sorts of writing at one point or another really has helped. You know, I've written. And, and edited. Uh, I was an editor at Entertainment Weekly and at other magazines for over mm-hmm. ten years. And you know, when I was coming up, I had a short-term plan and a long-term plan. My long-term plan was to end up here, writing you know fiction and mm-hmm. you know serious nonfiction and you know literary nonfiction, if I could say that, and and criticism. But in order to get there, I did all sorts of things to. You know, make a living by putting one word after another, and I 
I wrote board game instructions. I wrote a, a menu. I did. Uh-huh. I did an, an. I did annual reports. I wrote for uh, Cosmo. I wrote for TV Guide for popular photography for you know any any oh. place that had wow. an accounting department with, with, that would cut checks. I would write for. And wow. not that I was a hack, but I was flexible, you know, right. with a couple kids to raise. You know, but it, David, it taught that me, is interesting. Taught me a lot. Taught me a lot. Because um, Adrian Geffel, the, the, this novel, um, uh-huh. is such a, such an, a, a, I think, a successfully experimental approach to a book. I mean, it's not uh-huh. like crazily mm-hmm. experimental, but you're doing something a little different. Uh, I uh-huh. thought it worked really well. As as for those of you who haven't read Thank it, you. he 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 um, David tells it in the, a series of transcribed interviews, essentially, uh, that mm-hmm. that a fictional author did with with people, and mm-hmm. you handle their voices so well. I kind of I kind of was mm-hmm. a little jealous. I thought, God, what fun! What a mm-hmm. fun idea! Although I don't know if it was fun for you to be able to mm-hmm. speak in all these different voices because they all have their own distinct voice. So that was a pretty bold entree into fiction. Was there a lot of fiction that came before this that you will that will never see the light of day? Well, well, let me address a couple matters about how I did that first, okay. and then sure. and then we'll kind of pivot over to you know the, the role that you know, writing fiction or writing in a literary way has played in my life up to this point. Like the, I have done thousands of interviews as a journalist and a cultural historian over the year. Right. I mean, literally, th- maybe probably tens of thousands. So I've really? been in that experience of interviewing, yeah, probably tens of thousands wow. over you know, 25, wow. 30 years, interviewing, you know, for Lost Life, I did over 400 interviews for possibly 4th Street, over 200, and then for the magazine right. pieces over the years. So, I, you know, I've done interviewed all sorts of people, and I know that, and I know that process. But it really it helps me to have studied dramatic writing at NYU when I was an undergraduate. I have no graduate degree, but when I was an undergraduate, I studied dramatic writing, and that helped. And then, I haven't talked about this with anybody in terms of this book, I workshopped the book like a play. I really? actually hired a, I hired a director and two actors to sit at a table and run the parts. And, that is a great idea. It. That is a I heard, great idea, David. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, yeah, no, sir, I heard the parts spoken by an actor. I heard I heard an actor yeah. embody these parts, and the actor was able to say, "Well, you know that at that point that didn't quite ring true with the you know the right. rest of the, well, my understanding of the character to this point, you know." And we workshopped it, and one of the reasons that the that the that the that the voices feel so true and distinct, and they feel real, is that we you know is that we applied this process. Right. Um and uh and I then I listened to the tapes and then I reworked reworked the, the interviews, I reworked the right. interviews. And then uh the reason that I think it works nicely is that even though when most people talk about it or the the people who talk about it or think about right. it you know, what they focus on is that 
it evokes a time and place in New York. It evokes a world, and there's a variety of these voices, and it has this interesting design, and isn't that creative, and isn't that nice, and it's colorful, and isn't that fun, and maybe smart. Yeah, but at its heart, it's a very uh, tightly plotted story. Yeah, 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 <laughs> very, no, it is. Very, it is. very tightly plotted, and I had, I had literally every page mapped out in advance before I wrote the first word. I knew how what? it was going to end. I had the, had the entire book outlined very tightly oh, before I, I wrote a word. So okay. I had the whole plot mapped out. So that gave me the freedom. That gave me the freedom when I'm writing and when I'm, you know, when I'm uh, taking on the voice of one of these characters to be kind of free. You know, yeah. to digress the way that somebody does when they're doing it, like I am right now when you ask me a question. Sure, you know, sure, you're doing sure. an interview with the person, you know, and the person digresses. You know, it gives me that freedom because, I, you know, I know where this has to go in the plot. Right. You know, I know the function that this that this you know, piece of uh, interview testimony serves in the overall story. So, and in the end, it's a very it's a very tightly plotted uh, story. Well, it but, felt that way, with, and and. And, and so when you would have a scene, you'd say, okay, I need his mother. I'm going to get his mother. I'm going to sit down and write his mother. And she's going to talk about from when she, when she, what, why she decided to send her to the, to the cousin, for instance, who then sends her to. Right. Her. But so you would have like, I need to get from A to B and let's see what happens. Let's see how we get there. Now, did you ever have to get right. from A to B and get to, and not get to B? You go, the, no, 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 because the whole thing, and I've written all my books this way. Uh, Lush Life, uh, I knew the last scene before I wrote the first word. Uh, wow. Positively Fourth Street, I knew the last sentence. And if you read the whole book and you see how the book ends, and you say, oh, my God, I didn't see this coming. It all comes uh -huh. together This, in the end. And it, well, I, you know, I, that that's, was all in the design. So, right. uh, you know, I, this was part of the training I had the benefit of getting when I was at NYU because – when I came to when I came to NYU in the seventies, I studied dramatic writing in the film school. I was in the University Without Walls, now called the Gallatin Division. We called it the University Without Standards because it was very free. <laughs> uh -huh. We had then uh, dramatic writing teachers who taught as a sideline, who were working professionals, and right. some came out of Hollywood and television. And the, I took three courses with uh, with a a writer named Ian McClellan Hunter, who won an okay. Oscar for Roman Ho Roman Holiday. Oh, cool! That, that, uh, Dal Dalton Trumbo uh, was a part of. Yeah, some yeah, people think yeah. Dalton Trumbo. Some people think Dal uh, Ian Hunter fronted it for Dalton Trumbo. They wrote it together, and uh -huh. but Ian won the Oscar. And he right. taught us how to use what used to be called a step sheet in Hollywood, which is a form of outlining, where mm -hmm. you're outlining each scene. And then you yep. could. We, he did it in three by five cards, or you yep. could do it. You you know you could do it on computer, but you yeah. could break the whole piece of work into components, and then see how one leads to another, see how they fit. And it helps you you know balance the elements and make sure there's propulsion and drive, and you know the right proportion of the various things you want to bring to the work. You know character yeah. development and story and themes and motifs and all that stuff. So yeah, I, I learned that 
from Ian Ian Hunter. He called it a step sheet. I call yeah, they it call it beating line. it out yeah. now. They they beat out the <laughs> I have a friend. Yeah, they it's, each beat is a you know the next not beating right. with a drum right. but like you know each has a right. like a heartbeat. Right. Um, well, so, mm-hmm. so talk to me about um, music. Obviously, music has some meaning in your life, unless you just fell into writing yeah. about it. Um, what is your relationship to music uh, besides? Oh, it runs it. very deep. You know, I, I'm I'm a bad amateur musician, but I also have a okay. second life as mm-hmm. a as a, a librettist and a lyricist with some couple of jazz musicians. We had there, right. there were a few albums of my songs with working mostly with Rini Rosness, who's a great jazz composer and pianist. I've also worked with Fred Hirsch and significantly with Jill Sobiel, the pop writer. So it's something I'm very uh, it's an active and important part of my life. Uh, and I'm working on right now um, kind of a, a new music song cycle about a single building in New York that's almost done. But maybe the more interesting thing about that is how much of an influence songwriters and music has been to my to me as a writer of prose. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's something that yeah. you know somebody of you know my generation or any generation you know since my generation it's like. Yeah, my generation music was central to life. Absolutely. You know, you talked yeah. about the albums you bought or the songs yeah. you're listening to before anything else when you got with your friends. Yeah. You know, it was absolutely central to existence. And when I think of my influences as a writer, you know, I could I like to talk about you know John McPhee. Uh, and you know Elizabeth Bishop and Susan Sontag and James Baldwin and A.J. Liebling sure. and Ronda Adler right. and I thought you know all those are serious influences and I have emulated them to the point where sometimes I'm virtually plagiarizing McPhee <laughs> and really important influences. Same thing with Saul Bellow. But songwriters too had a very deep influence on me and I can give you a yeah. couple of examples I haven't have, nobody's asked me this before I haven't really talked about but like Lorenz Hart from Rogers and Hart uh-huh. and I don't know if, how familiar you are with Rogers and Hart songs but, you know I'm not okay uh, you know my funny Valentine oh, okay uh, I wish I All were right. in love again it, it, 20 yeah. standards that you know already right. but you just don't know that he wrote them okay you know uh, was a master of saying saying something uh through communicating something by saying something quite different <laughs> you know right right uh, w- when love plant. congeals it soon reveals the faint aroma of performing seals i wish i were in love again first of all the poetry of that that's the great. faint aroma of performing seals oh, oh that's a way of saying great. love Gorgeous. is a circus right love is a circus the faint right. aroma, I, w- I wish i were in love again but no he doesn't wish he was in love again. His whole portrayal of love is is that it's that it's like the ninth circle of hell. And yet, <laughs> does he really wish he were in love? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. This kind of tension where you're not certain of where he really stands and the entwined sadness and, and joy is and this con- elemental conflict is in heart, and that's a big influence on me. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. we can tell you one more. Sure. Uh, another. Influence people on me, maybe on others, are the <clears throat> underappreciated 
lyricists of the um, heyday of the Brill Building in the, the late Brill 1950s, Brill Building. Early 19th. The Brill Building, yeah. 1960s. Like Jerry Goffin yeah. and Carol King, specifically yep. Jerry yep. Goffin. Uh, uh, we Love Me Tomorrow, uh, uh, Up on the Roof. The big yeah. love scene in Adrian Geffel is on the roof. And, I, you know, for me, it's in the whole... It's the center of a whole book, but Jerry Goffin did it in you know two minutes and twenty yeah. seconds. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, Ellie it's really Greenwich. true, David. I, you know, I was knew I wanted to be a writer, and loved music, and I, I think early on, as much as like Hemingway had a big influence on me, and, and like Vladimir Nabokov, but David Bowie and Lou Reed. And Bob uh-huh. Dylan, I think they had a, they just, in fact, I just have been teaching myself to play the song Five Years. I don't know, are you familiar with that, the first song off the Ziggy Stardust album? Yeah, of course. I don't know. If you, of course. I, I, I love yeah, that so song. I, I loved that song when I heard it. Well, I just <clears throat> finally taught myself to play yeah. it. And it's been, it's been great. And I think I under, yeah. underestimated how influential those, those songwriters were to me just as a, a future prose writer. It's absolutely yeah, you, true for me. Well, Lou Reed studied literature uh, at at Syracuse University. Oh, did he? And, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, he was a lit student. Um, Lou ah, Reed figures in my figures in my book literally. He, there's a point toward the end of the book when you'll see. Right. But you know the the ability to tell a story to evoke a lot uh, with a, you know a few you know, cryptic phrases. Uh, you know, it's very useful. But there's a kind of I'm also drawn to writers who write with a little more clarity as songwriters. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I thought of the Brill Building songwriters because sure. they sure. could they could still honor the mystery of life and the power in mystery, but right. with a kind of vernacular clarity. Like um, right, like Ellie. Let me see if I can think of an example. Like Ellie Greenwich, and she wrote a song for the Dixie Cops. Uh-huh. Called and this is actually before my era because I love I discovered this later because I'm actually uh-huh. too I, you know this is like when when I was I don't know two years old or something right right uh, the Dixie Cups um, called um, you you should have seen the way he looked at me mm-hmm. and the chorus goes well I tell you he really knocked me dead and I don't quite remember exactly what he said I just stood there and shook my head. You should have seen the way he looked at me. And to me, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I can't quite remember exactly what he said. I just stood there and shook my head. You should have seen the way he looked at me. That's it's perfect. It, that's had a big influence on me. So the character of Adrian Geffel herself, I mean, mm-hmm. Well, just talk to me about this. So you, talk to me about deciding mm-hmm. you want to write this book. You know, I know yeah. these things come to you in bits and pieces, but it's, you know, it's an interesting idea and yeah. it's an exciting idea. So just talk to me about its germination. Sure, sure. Come about. It grew, well, I, it grew out of two notions and then it took form by putting these two, two notions were hospitable, you know, the companionable. Right. And then the book just kind of snowballed from there. Mm-hmm. One was, what if someone couldn't help but make a music, the kind of music that was problematic right. for them and for the audience? Like, what if? Right. And right. what if then it, the person's success 
hanged or hung? Hung, hung, hung on that. <laughs> I think hung on yeah. that. So yeah. then the person's success was dependent on music that made the person unhappy and made the audience unhappy. <laughs> like, right. And then her whole like the success is 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 tied in with that. Then what? Well, then does that mean then to maintain her success, the people who are dependent on her would have to keep her unhappy? Would that have to happen? Well, right. Whoa. Right. And then why? Then from there, how would critics and a record and the, a, a, the music world? Why would they, you know, valorize or reward work, work that? They didn't understand or even like. Like, right. could that happen? Uh, right. Yes, <laughs> it does happen. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yes, yeah. it does happen. Yeah. But why? Like, right. what's the machinery? What's the machinery of that? How could it be that oh, people would valorize, celebrate something they don't really get or don't even like? <laughs> like, right. So, yeah. Like, how could that be? So the book works in a number of ways. In some ways, it's like social critique or you know cultural critique. It's like of the right. music industry, the music world, and of you know and of the academy and of critics, like and of my own tribe. Right. It's a critique right. of my own tribe, and it's an inquiry into the creative process, and. It's like I said, this tightly plotted kind of suspense story. Yeah. Yep. Ultimately, and most significantly, it's a sweet little love story. Yeah. If you read the whole thing, you pick this up. Like in the end, what what stick? When I think about the book, I don't think about anything we've we've been talking about. <laughs> right. Like, good. When, good. When I what do you think you know, about? When I think I think about this little love story between these these two girls. You know, they fell, they fell in love and. And how much one of them became an artist, couldn't help but become an artist, like literally couldn't help it because it's the way she was wired, you know, neurologically wired that way. And then where does, you know, love fit into that? And, you know, uh, and then what happens when the love goes away and what happens when the love comes back? And to me, that's what the book is really about. And That's all great. of my books have dealt with that a bit, like Positively Fourth Street certainly did with you know Joan Baez and Bob Dylan, and, right? And right. Lush Life also, but that's that's the main, that's the nut. Yeah, uh, you know, of it's, Adrian it's, it's so critical to have that nut. You know, I know it sounds mm-hmm. maybe obvious, but a lot of books that fall apart is because they don't have that core thing that you want to leave the. Now you may not. Maybe you don't think about what no, you want to leave the yeah. reader with, but I think it's probably if that's what you remember, that's probably what you're trying to leave the reader with. No, I definitely do. Uh, I'm I'm like I'm very systematic, and I, you know, I this was I didn't write this after a life as a critic and a cultural historian and an educator because I wanted to be a novelist. Right. I never wanted to be anything different. It wasn't about right. being something different. I just I wanted to write this book, you know. That's so great. I just I wanted to write this book, but I should say there were actually two books I wanted to write first that I tried that didn't work out well enough and the, that I abandoned. So prior to this, I did have two other ideas for fiction that I spent some time working on, for probably close to two years. 
also mapping out beginning to end, you know, plotting. Right. And I wrote a full chapter of each. So I had like a plan for a book and a chapter written for one idea. And I looked at it, I showed it to a couple of people and said, oh, this is really good. I like this. But I felt like it just really wasn't good enough. And right. it just didn't, it didn't have, the, it didn't move me emotionally the way that this book, this idea eventually came to. And then the second right. idea, the same thing, it, it just wasn't good enough. So I gave, I gave up, gave it up. I never showed my editor, never showed, you know, my publisher, right. I never showed my agent, but I spent, I spent two years on working on two ideas. I never showed anybody. I you know, a couple people. A couple. David, I have yeah. high respect for mm-hmm. that. High respect. And I don't say that jokingly. I mean, I think that that's, that is, that shows a real attunement to your sort of authentic creative drive. So I think that's awesome. I hope you don't have to do that every time, but I think that, that, well, that shows I a don't real usually, awareness. <laughs> I, don't have a lot, I, don't, I don't have a big trunk. I, I'm not somebody, I don't usually do that. Right. But, you know, you have to be your own harshest critic and, you know, you yeah, have you to do. impose you know, yeah. standards on your own work and not say, well, you know, I kind of liked it and, you know, maybe it's better than I think. No, you you have to be pretty sure of it. Yeah. Um, you kind of, you can't so, fool yourself. You, you, I always feel like the times, have you ever gone through this with editors where you write something and you, you let something go and a part of you says, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And you know it's not, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. fine. And the editors, their little pen goes right to that because you let it go. I don't know if you've experienced that. Right. I certainly have. Right. No, well, I, not not a lot because I don't usually let it go. I was an editor for <laughs> as, as long as I, I've been a writer, so yeah, it, yeah, I know. So, I, I, you know, before I let something go, you know, it has to meet my standard. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say yeah. is about my process is I read everything out loud too before that's I submit good. it. Yeah, and that helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. I wish I did. I don't do that, but I feel like every time I hear someone say they you do should. it, I, think, I know, I know. I like reading my stuff too when I like get the opportunity, but then I just don't do it. Time I have to start, David. Perhaps you've inspired me. Uh, all right. Well, listen, you interesting person. You, uh, we could have talked a lot longer, but I have a couple more questions for you. But first of all, if okay. people want to learn about you, David Haydu, it's spelled H-A-J-D-U. You cannot, can't read uh-huh. here. Um, where can they, what's the best place to learn about you if they want to like I don't know have you to their their virtual book group or something? Well, are you up you know, for that I sort of thing? Web, I do have a website. No, I have okay. a I have a nice website. I think it's nice. DavidHadu.com. D a v i d h a j d u. And I keep it up. And there's a an events section there. So I'm doing an event uh, at McNally Jackson with Amanda Petrusich, the music critic for The New Yorker. I'm doing a virtual event with Book Soup uh, in which we're going to be I'm having some actors perform scenes from the book. Nice. That's pretty exciting. Nice. That's all yeah. posted. A number of my you know, articles, there are links to probably hundreds probably of my articles sure. over the years on the website. And some even some videos and links to my music and you know that's been the go-to place for like what's going on All with right. that Hatch Do guy. All uh, right, excellent, excellent. Okay, and uh, right. and then I like Instagram. I'm on Instagram, and I, I I you know I tweet once or twice a day, but that's not not with much substance. Right, like okay. most other people on Twitter. <laughs> well, that, Twitter's not there for substance, David. I don't know what it's there for. No. But, uh, for me to no, scroll through and curse at or something. All right. Yeah. So. Right. 
All right, David, last question. Here's what I want you to do. I want uh-huh. you to finish this sentence. Ready? If writing, all mm-hmm. the writing you've done has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Oh, boy. It's taught yeah. me a lot. Yeah? Can you pick one thing you think? Uh, Too much. It's taught me uh, to... Uh, Wow, I'll, uh, wow! I'm not sure I can answer it. I'll say it's hard. <laughs> it's uh, it's not fun. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't. Uh, Why do you keep sorry. doing it then? That's all right. Because I derive great satisfactions from them that are different from fun. I find it stimulating. I find it challenging. I find it intellectually rewarding. I find it enlightening. It stretches me. I grow through it. I improve. I deepen. I'm a better human being through my writing. All those benefits, all those benefits that are real, that are gratifying, but are different from, like, pleasure, the sheer pleasure. You know, it's hard. I I find it very, very hard work. Uh, if it's taught me anything, it's that you can learn from hard work. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. it. You know, you know what uh, I think the real answer is the fact that you cannot answer it. I feel like that in some ways <laughs> that is the answer that it has taught you so much you can't possibly narrow it down to one yeah. thing. I, I feel like it teaches me how to live. I that's honestly good. do. I feel, I feel like it has taught me okay. how to live. So perhaps it's done the same for you, David. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank this you. Is, again, folks, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it's Adrian Geffel, uh, and uh, where all fine books are sold. David, good luck with it. Uh, I, I w- Thanks wish a I could lot. be there to hear it read aloud. This was fun. I, I, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. I had a great time. Thanks. Great. Thanks a lot, David. All right. Take care. Bye. Take care. Yes, people, it can't be hard work, but it's worth it. Yes, it is. So listen, I hope I'll be back next week. Ah, I don't know. But I hope I will be. I want to thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. Thank you, sir. Until then, go find something you love to do and do it.